Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, come on, LifePoint Church. How's second service doing? That's what I'm talking about. Thank you guys so, so much for being here to our online church family. We're so excited to have you guys here. Hey, we're one church even in our many locations. So can we go ahead and give it up, those of us in the room, for those who are watching with us right now online. We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in today. Hey, it's going to be a fun, fun day. But uh, the other thing is we actually, we just made it through. We made it here. Like, think about that. This last week was a little insane, but we're here. We're alive. It went from winter wonderland to worst nightmare. So uh, hopefully you had uh, some, I don't know, some hot meals throughout the time, and you, you made it here today, so give yourselves a hand for that, man. Now, today is a big day because today is actually Pastor Rachel's birthday. <laughs> Pastor Rachel, we love you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for all you have sacrificed for this church. A lot of you guys do not get to see what she does behind the scenes, but Pastor Annie could not do what he does without her. So thank you so, so much for supporting this church and helping make things happen. Can we give it up for her one more time? Now, we are in a series right now called Relationship Goals, and it's actually today, we're talking about things that are going to be based off a book in a series by Michael Todd called uh, Relationship Goals, and the tagline is How to Win at Dating, Marriage, and Sex. And we actually want to give two of these out here today in the house, so would anybody like a copy of either one of these? There we go. Jamal, can you go ahead and take care of that, sir? And we've got another hand that went up right over here. So Charmaine, you want to go ahead and give that for me to the girls right there. This is going to be a great, it's a great book. I've already read it, but if you want to go ahead and get that from Amazon, I'm telling you, it's got some really good stuff in it. We're going to be talking about some of that stuff today. And this is a really big deal. This series is a really big deal because here's the truth. It's like, why are we talking about relationship goals? Well, the reality is that relationships right now are under a ton of pressure. Like, I don't know if you feel it, if you sense it, if you see it, if you're living it, but think about this. There have been massive changes in, like, like telecommunications and communication technologies. There's been a diminishing influence of religion um, on individual, individuals. There's this hyper-individualization of morals and sexual ethics, and there's this extreme cultural and political polarization that is happening right now. It's like, it's like a, uh, uh, one of those pressure cookers. Things are just really strained right now, and the daily strain is mounting. Every, every day it's happening more and more where there seems to be this more pressure and more anxiety and more confusion. And what's crazy is that right now, Loneliness is like at epidemic highs. Like it's never, people have never felt so disconnected, so, so lonely than they have right now. And what's crazy is whatever kind of emotional baggage that we're carrying, it, emotional baggage actually has the capacity to change how we manage our daily life. 
Like it can make things more difficult when we're carrying things around and we've got this weight and this luggage that we're taking with us every day into every relationship, into every space that we walk into. And so if we want to flourish, like truly live mentally, physically, emotionally, we need to get intentional about how we live our lives. And relationships are where the rubber of the gospel meets the daily life of Christianity. Like Christ himself came to redeem and restore lost and broken people. And it's through relationships where renewed and restored people can actually begin to live out the good news. But our relationships, our relationships, man, they're so wrecked. Because the truth is we haven't set up relationship goals. And the truth is if you don't think about your destination, you will end up feeling your way there. Like, have you ever gotten just really hungry because you felt like you were hungry even though you had eaten earlier and you decided to just eat anyways because you felt hungry? We feel our way through things all the time. You just decided to eat because, oh, I'm hungry again. And so most of the time, we feel our way through life. We navigate our way through relationships by how it feels. And then when it doesn't feel good or it feels kind of weird, we think about it. And then it's like, no, wait, it still feels okay. We, we cycle back to how we feel again instead of thinking about how, how this relationship is actually going. And we do it because feelings fluctuate and feelings are strong and they're powerful when, when we don't really think about them and give them a direction and point them. And the crazy thing is that when it comes to love... Right? Like the biggest part of relationships when it comes to love, love actually isn't a feeling. Love is actually a choice. Like think about this. Jesus commands us to love. Look at what it says in John chapter 13. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You don't command feelings. And yet here we see Jesus commanding us to love. It's a choice. It's a decision. And so often we kind of brush this aside or we don't think about it long enough because that's not the narrative that we're being fed through our music and our movies and the media that we entertain. That's just not what's happening. And I love this quote from Tim Keller. He says, Western culture tempts us to put our hopes in apocalyptic romance, in finding complete spiritual and emotional fulfillment in the perfect mate. You should write that down. It's really good. Because think about this. Think like Disney, anybody like Disney? Any adults want to admit that they like Disney shows? There you go, see? Be truthful today, like, and then there's like the notebook or even what everybody has probably seen at this point, Titanic, right? Two separate parties finding love and identity in romantic relationship with one another. And what we find getting communicated over and over and over is that life is somehow all about uh, romance and or marriage and then everything else is either, you know, the prologue or it's afterward as if it doesn't matter, <laughs> Unless you watch Shrek, because Shrek actually kind of carries the story even further. But we've lost direction when it comes to love in our culture. And so in order to see something new, we need to clarify what it is that we're seeing now. 
Like, think about this. Let's consider some of the metaphors, because I just find these really, really funny, that we kind of, like, ascribe to love. So, like, we, we fall into love. We've all heard that. We're struck by love. Like, just imagine, like, you know, getting pummeled in the face by love. We're crushed by love. We're swooned to love. We burn with love. We're crazy in love. We're lovesick. Our hearts ache for love. And then eventually they break because of love. And I'm not sure if you're picking up what's happening here, but we love either to like extreme violence or illness. That's a dangerous message. Like, come on. That's a really dangerous message. Like, maybe, like think about this one. Like, you've probably said this before, because I know I have, like I have, like they're, they're smitten in love. Like, think about the word smitten. This is, this is ridiculous. This is kind of funny, too. Struck as with a hard blow, Grievously or disastrously stricken or afflicted. Oh, and then number three, it can also mean very much in love. There's a problem. There's a serious problem. Because what does this communicate to us? That love occurs without us knowing, accidentally, uncontrollably, and ultimately without our consent. This paints us as victims of unforeseeable or completely unavoidable circumstances because we navigate relationships by how we feel instead of deciding ahead of time what they should look like. And the messaging of love is half the problem. The meaning of love is the other, is the other half because think about this. I can love this shirt. I, I can love the avocado bacon burger from Whataburger. I can love LifePoint Church. I can love working out, and I do. Some of you do too. Oh, and I can also love my wife. But here's the deal. My love for an avocado bacon burger and the love for my wife are very different, or at least they should be. <laughs> because while I can value the avocado bacon burger, the avocado bacon burger cannot value me. And my wife, while she calls me the spice of life, or maybe she tells me just to get away, I, sometimes I get the two confused, she's trying to communicate value and worth and her commitment to love towards me and to work on that love towards me. And this is where it gets interesting. Because if only another, another desirable conscience can conceive me as a desirable being, then that means that love can be defined as the desire of being desired. Now, this is deep. You're going to have to use your minds a little bit with me today. We're talking about love. We're talking about deconstructing a narrative that we've bought into and reconstructing a new one. If only another desirable conscience can conceive me as a desirable being, then that means that love can be defined as the desire of being desired. And in a culture that values the free market of individual desires, we find ourselves in people every day negotiating value, their value to be desirable, collecting symbols of desirability. Think about this. The clothes they wear, the jewelry they put on, the house they buy, the extra muscle here, the little more in the paycheck there. Is it any wonder why we appear to be so materialistic? investing this into narcissistic capital in hopes to cash in on a real relationship with fake credit because it doesn't have real value. That's the economy of love that we've bought into, that we're all caught up and swept up in. 
And what's crazy is that Marcel Proust pointedly writes, he said, it is our imagination that is responsible for love, not the other person. Told you. Got to think a little today because we all have these romantic ideals where we turn to one person to fulfill this endless list of needs that we have. And we live in this era where we all pursue our desires because we feel entitled to be happy. And as a result, monogamy, which used to mean one person for life, means one person at a time. It used to be we got divorced because we are unhappy. Now we get divorced because we could be happier. And interestingly, as I was researching this, I, I heard somebody say affairs happen not because we're turning away from our partners, but because we want to turn away from who we ourselves have become. It has less to do with looking for another person and more, catch this, to do with the reality that we are looking for another self. That's rich. Because desire runs deep. Desire is not a destination, nor should it be in the driver's seat of decision-making in our lives. And the question that we have to consider is, what is it that we think that God cannot provide for us? And this message today is going to have singles in mind, but the truth is, is that we all need to reflect and consider what we're going to be walking through today, because it hasn't, the principles here have such important implication for our lives because there's a path, there's an order to relationships that we need to buy into in order to give us an upper hand in our relationships, whether it's romantic or platonic, because order matters. Like, I want to show you this example that I came across today. Can we put this on the screen? It's either you don't matter, give up, or it's you matter, don't give up. The order here is a little confusing. The order communicates a message. And how, depending on how you choose to read that message means that you're going to receive that information differently. This is why order matters. And can we just get really real for a moment? Like the church and culture have done a really bad job of a really bad disservice to singleness. Just, just in general, it's painted it as kind of less than, as other than, as abnormal. Culture has placed identity on relational status and romantic reels, while the church has placed identity on marital status rather than redemptive status and relational richness. And the range of human relationship extends so much further beyond the sexual and the marriage relationship. Like there's more like sex lasts for a moment, but relationships are intended to last for a lifetime. And too many of us, like myself included, have purchased the wrong narrative of love. And if we're going to get it right, we need a new story by which to frame our lives. So let's see what the Bible has to say about this for us. And we're going to start with a story that's at the very beginning of time. In Genesis chapter 2, then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God placed the man 
in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the, tree, the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, there's so much here that's kind of between the lines. You kind of have to read between the lines to catch what's going on. So let's just break this down because the first thing that we have to grasp and walk away with is that God wants a relationship with you and God wants relationship for you. God wants relationship with you and God wants relationship for you. And I don't know who in here needs to hear that today because the truth is is that if you've lived any length of time, you have felt the weight of, of damaging and unhealthy relationships. And you need to know that you're valuable. And you've been placed in this world for a reason. God didn't make an accident. He knew what he was doing. And I know that people have done you dirty, but hurt people hurt people. And when we don't do relationships right, relationships right, there's, there's shrapnel and there's damage that's done to other people. And every one of us today has to catch hold of that reality. And what's so intriguing to me here as I, as I read this narrative is that we read that God didn't make the man and the woman at the same time. And this is important because there's no telling how long Adam was with God without Eve. Think about that. God clearly had some time with Adam alone before he ever introduced Eve. And this is huge, because if you're single in the house today, you have to hear me out. God not only had a relationship with Adam before Eve, he also intentionally placed Adam before Adam ever met Eve. When you're looking at the passage, you have to understand God placed Adam, meaning God created him and you and me with intent, and intent has to be pulled out of us in the place that he's positioned us to be in. Like before you can ever discover purpose, you have to accept the place. And this is such a huge problem for so many of us. Because again, we desire something different, something other than something more, usually than what God has given to us. And we look for places and for people that will validate the desires we have, not the desires that God has for us. Not what he wants for our lives. And it's funny because Adam didn't get a say in where God ch chose to place him or the fact that God made him. Like we don't read, hey, Adam, like what do you think about being in the Garden of Eden? No. He placed him there. He chose it for him. And we've all had these moments where we've said, like, I wish I could have been born at a different time to a different family, to other parents, why couldn't I have been born here or there? Or why couldn't I be that person? You ever had those moments? Those low moments? And what we miss is that God has placed us to pull the purpose out of us that he's put within us. In the families we come from, in the cities we find ourselves in, in the job that we're doing, in the skin that we look back in in the mirror. It wasn't a mistake. God didn't make a mistake. And you have to hear me today because God placed you. And it's a beautiful thing. Because just like Adam, we are placed for purpose. 
Like, think about it. Adam was placed in the Garden of Eden, and what does it tell us? He was placed there to tend and to work. He was placed there to tend and to work. And we get this all backward because we're so discontent with our place, we can't discover our purpose. And instead, we start looking to people to fill up holes and to give us purpose, and they were never meant to fit in that place. Only God knows what he wants from your life, yet so many of us look to other people for validation or what we should be doing with our lives. And what's crazy is God knew who was going to shape and influence your life for better or for worse. But the crazy thing is that God is a God of life. And the things that get damaged, he can make new. And the death that you experience, he can bring and raise to life. He can bring purpose out of pain, positive purpose out of negative situations because he's a God that redeems. Somebody's excited about that in the house. There is new perspective. There is new perspective that we can see. There's potential that he's trying to pull out of us. There's promise that he's trying to fulfill in us and through us. And God wants us to recognize you've been placed for purpose before the person has ever entered the picture. Like, hear me out. Like, I've, I've been there. I've been in a place where I was so upset with my life, with the way that the environment around me looked, with the place that I had been put in, pushing off the purpose that God had put into my life. And it wasn't until I leaned in and accepted that, accepted what he was doing, the place he had placed me, that the person ever came. And this is my story. That doesn't mean it's going to be your story. Each of our lives are going to look a little different. And to be honest, I don't know if if God wants to bring somebody to you, but I do know that God wants to do something through you. Stop looking to people to bring fulfillment and purpose to your life. It's never going to work out, and it will always leave you empty-handed. They can't give you purpose. People can help you discover purpose, but only God can help you figure out what it is that you're here for and why it is that he's put you here now where you are. But that's just it. It begins right where you are today. God gave Adam purpose. God gave Adam a a place. God gave Adam, are you ready for this next one? Provision. God gave Adam provision. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground. Trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. Think about this. This is... This is such a big deal because God provides where he places you. And if you're struggling right now to make things happen, if you've been in a dry season for a while, if you're trying to position yourself to provide for more than what God has called you to do or given to you, then it's probably not his will being done. You're probably being driven by your desires and you're letting that affect and determine the decisions that you make. And you might need to double check who's moved, who's in the wrong place, because more than likely it's not God. Because when you're in the right place, working with purpose, God makes the provision grow. And if you feel stuck, and if there's no growth, and if you feel like you're just spinning your wheels, then maybe it's time for you to do a reset. God gave Adam everything he needed to be satisfied. Reward for the work and pleasure in the purpose. And the thing is, is that if our spiritual enemy can sour our perspective of God's goodness in our life, 
of God's provision for us, if he can get us to constantly compare and contrast and be driven by our desires towards what makes us feel good, living off of our feelings, we will get so far off course that by the time we realize it, God's way over there and we're way over there. So far away from the place that he intended us to be. And the crazy thing is that the enemy does not have power that we have not handed over to him. We let the lies in. We open our mind and our imagination to the thoughts that come our way. Like, look at what Proverbs says. Proverbs says, keep vigilant watch over your what? Your heart. Why? Because that's where life starts. Don't talk out out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Doing what? Ignoring all sideshow distractions. Watch your step, and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor left. Leave evil in the dust. And then Mark writes, For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly, all these evils come from where? Inside and defile a person. It's crazy because our enemy doesn't need to do anything to us. We will do it all on our own. All he's going to do is place things in our path, in our way that we're going to have to scroll past or move around. He drops the seeds and we choose to grow the trees. And what's crazy is as I was trying to like study for this and look at this, I came across this word. It said it was, it's called erotic frisson. It's like French, I guess. Frisson. Okay, anyways, not the point. It said that the kiss that you imagine giving, listen, the kiss that you imagine giving, the thought that you entertain in your mind can be as powerful and as enchanting as hours of lovemaking. That's the power of our imagination on our physical body. Is it any wonder why Jesus said, if you look and you lust that you've committed adultery? Your mind has more power than we give it credit for, which is important why we, don't walk, we shouldn't walk through life based on our feelings. We really need to understand and be intentional on the goals that we're trying to accomplish because your feelings will lead you astray. God gave Adam a place. God gave Adam a purpose. God provided provision, and then he set parameters. Look at this. You may freely eat out of every tree in the garden except. Every tree is available to you except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And what's crazy about this story is it's not like there there were not just like two trees. He didn't have just two options. He had the whole wide world in his hands except one thing. One thing. And he still reached out and grabbed it. And And I get it, right? It's like some of us are like, well, why would a loving God even give him the option? Because love is not a feeling and love exists through standards. Like, think about this. No one ever intends to hurt themselves, right? Like, why do you, I don't know, why do you guys buy little sockets to put in the holes of your outlets? Why do we put up gates for kids? Because while they're having fun living their life, they are capable of doing what? 
harming themselves. So you set up boundaries for them that they don't yet have awareness of or see coming. The limits are not limitations. They will one day grow up and get to experience that. You just know that if it's not done at the right place at the right time, harm can happen. And if we go by what feels good in every moment, how many of you guys have done, you were in a moment and you felt good, it felt good, it felt good, until suddenly it what? It didn't. We do it all the time, especially with food. Like anybody like me and you're just a glutton. That's a sin, by the way. Because what feels good feels good until it doesn't. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, I have the right to do anything. We have the freedom to exercise whatever decision we want. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Like, do I have any Raising Cane lovers in the house? Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A? Okay. So Raising Cane's has the sauce, and their sauce is the boss. But how many of you guys understand, it's super rich, right? So, like, if you're like me, I eat, like, a ton of their sauce, and by the time I'm done with it, my stomach is killing me. Or when I go to Chick-fil-A and I grab their spicy chicken sandwich, I also have to get their buffalo sauce to go with it because it's so good together, but it's so, it hurts so bad afterwards. And we mean to like watch one episode, but then usually we find ourselves sitting after five like, oh my gosh, where did the time go? What did I do? You only meant to have one dog and then you end up getting three. Sorry, babe. That's me. Because we indulge. We let our feelings lead us. And if we could just be really real right now, like just, just raw, we indulge, quite honestly, because it's easier to be distracted from our problems than to deal with them. We indulge because it's easier for us to walk through life numb and distracted than it is for us to deal with them. There's a reason that the Bible asks us to pray and fast. It's not an accident. There's a principle at play. And the reality is that if you don't come into your relationship with, I can't even talk. If you don't come into your relationships with a standard, the relationship will create the standard that you live by. If you don't come into a relationship with a standard, the relationship will create the standard that you live by and we will end up getting hurt because the reality is that we're already broken and two broken people, while they can have a lot of fun together, they can also make a massive mess together. You have to set parameters in your life to live by. And the crazy thing is that God is not looking to hold you back. He's looking to hold you up in a world that is desperately trying to pull you down to its level of pain and suffering. And the truth is, while I could tell you what you should or should not do, what works for me might not work for you. You have to work with God to figure out, God, what is it, how is it that I should be living my life in a way that, that is is respectful towards you, that, is, that, that will bring fullness out of my life for what it is that you have for me. Because the truth is, holiness is hard and sin is easy. Holiness is hard and sin is easy. 
We need to get down and pray, God, help me create parameters in my life that are going to lead to the fuller life that you intend for me to have. It doesn't mean pain-free, problem-free living. It means that on the other side of every circumstance, good or bad, you will have, there will be a richness to it that you can only experience by following him. Parameters are set to keep you safe. And what's crazy is all of these things Adam had before God ever gave him a person. He was given a place. He was given a purpose. He was given provision. God gave him parameters all before Eve ever entered the picture. And maybe you're married and you're like, crap, I did some of that stuff wrong. It's okay. The good news is that Jesus came to redeem us, to give us new life, new opportunity. You can start where you are right now. It'll be a little harder. But if you're single in this place today, you have an opportunity to start fresh, to really figure out what it is that God has for you, what he's trying to do through you and in you and why he's placed you here and the purpose that he has for your life. And as I keep, as I keep reading, what, what I found so interesting when I was reading this is it's intriguing to me that Adam isn't the one who said, I'm really alone here. Think about that. God is the one who decided, Adam, I have more for you. And when God took from Adam to make Eve, it's interesting to me how it's written. Look at this. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Now maybe you're like, well, what is that supposed to mean? It means that God did not leave Adam with a hole. He left him whole. Somebody's missing that. Adam was not left with a hole. God left him whole. Two people, two separate identities made by God to be in relationship with him and relationship with one another. God left him whole, and all the extra that comes in a relationship is just that. It's extra. God hasn't left you hanging. He's placed you. He's given you purpose. He's provided provision. He wants to help you set parameters. God wants to be in relationship with you, and God wants relationship for you. And even though we get love wrong, God gave us Jesus to help us do it right. Jesus, as a single man, embraced his place, his purpose, God's provision, and God's parameters, and has changed the world as we know it. He's the example. He's the standard. He shows us, Jesus shows us that love is not self-interested. It's not self-centered. That it can serve sacrificially. And he went to a cross. Jesus went to a cross to remove any and all excuse that we might have. He came to help us love as God created us to love. Embrace where you've been placed. Seek out God's purpose for your life. See God's provision begin to grow. Set parameters to establish healthy relationships in your life and begin to see how relationship goals center around God and anchored in Jesus begin to help you live life to the full, to the full. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord, in this place today. God, it's hard. It's hard to live this life just in general. And we need your help. And Lord, 
You gave us, Jesus went to the cross and then sent us an advocate, a Holy Spirit, God within us. When we follow you, that you give us somebody to help us make better decisions, live a life that is on track with you. What we're asking today is, Holy Spirit, help us see the changes we need to make in our lives to have healthy relationships, the kind of relationships that bring life, that help us and will help us experience life to the fullest. You have bigger and better plans than we could ever imagine for ourselves. And you want us to experience real relationship, deep relationship, meaningful relationship. But some of us, Lord, there's some self-awareness, some soul care that we need to do with you because we're so dissatisfied with the place that we're in and we don't understand the purpose that we're supposed to be living out and because of that, we're always striving to get more for ourselves. But the reality is we're not living by any parameters. We're doing whatever we want, whenever we want, and that's not how you've called us to live. There's an order that you're asking us to live by, standards that you're asking us to set, not to keep us from living life, but to give us life to the full. Help us step into that and walk in that and live that out. In your name we pray, amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.